welcome to another episode of Mim Cuts to the Chase. I'm Guy Hazelman, your host. For our topic, we will discuss bank loans. Our goal today is to get a better understanding of the bank loan market, as well as to outline some potential opportunities that might exist, particularly given the economic and interest rate background. Our guest today is Matt McInerney, a bank loan portfolio manager at MetLife Investment Management, or MIM for short. MIM manages a total of $664 billion with $377 billion in public fixed income, which includes $1.1 billion in bank loans. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me, Guy. All right. Before we cut to the chase on potential opportunities, I thought we should start with the bare basics. So would you provide just a general overview of the asset class and some of its terminology? Sure, Guy. That's probably a good place to start. Bank loans are also known as leveraged loans. Prior to around 2000, these were loans that were granted primarily by banks and syndicated to banks. That is no longer the case. They are typically, but not always, grant loans granted to speculative grade companies, meaning those with a credit rating of double B plus or lower. The loans are typically secured with a lien on the company's assets, and loans are almost always placed in a senior position to unsecured bonds in the capital stack. Bank loans typically have a floating rate structure and are currently priced as a spread over LIBOR but that will be changing beginning in 2022 as LIBOR transitions to SOFR plus a credit spread plus a spread. Uh, LIBOR will no longer be used at that time. Lastly, they are often structured with shorter maturities than bonds and with more restrictive covenants in the credit agreement. You know, I'm not sure how ready everybody is for that transition from LIBOR to SOFR, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, As far as bank loans, another term I often hear being used is leveraged finance. Is this because of how the proceeds of the loans are being used? Exactly, Guy. Quite frequently, the proceeds of the loans are used for four main purposes, leverage buyouts, mergers and acquisitions, recapitalizations, or refinancing old debt. Think bonfire of the vanities. So as you might suspect, private equity companies tap the leverage loan market frequently. Let's go back for a minute to terminology as a reminder to your listener. Investment-grade debt is debt issued by companies rated triple B minus and above. They typically have stronger credit profiles and a much lower risk of default. Speculative grade debt is debt issued by highly leveraged companies and have a riskier credit uh, profile. When it's in the form of a bond, it's often referred to as junk or high yield. Maybe the marketplace will rename it medium yield soon, given Hmm. current levels. Anyway, if it is in the form of a loan, they are referred to as leveraged loans, bank loans, or given the use of proceeds, sometimes as leveraged finance. Well, thank you. I I found that uh, explanation and terminology to be quite helpful. Uh, what is the size of the overall leverage loan market, and 
How does it compare to, say, the high-yield bond market? The bank loan market and the corresponding demand for floating rate structures have grown significantly over the past decade, and 2021 is on pace for record issuance. The overall market now stands at about $1.3 trillion compared to $681 billion in 2013. The current size of the loan market is approximately the same size as the high-yield debt market. That's uh, quite a bit of growth, no doubt. And as you know, short-term interest rates have drifted higher in recent months you know, with the expectations that the Federal Reserve will begin raising official interest rates in, in 2022. So with this in mind, do you think it's the floating rate structure of interest payments that's driving the appetite for bank loans? Uh, Guy, that's only part of the story. It certainly helps that inflation and inflationary expectations have been trending higher because higher inflation tends to lead to higher interest rates, and that boosts yield on floating rate loans. As expectations rise for central banks to act, short-term rates are typically driven higher, and we would expect some spread widening to SOFR going forward in 2022. However, with average spreads already in excess of 400 basis points above LIBOR today, there is quite a bit of relative yield pickup in a low interest rate environment. Despite the speculative grade uh, nature of bank loan credit, strong economic conditions mean there will be less stress in the market right now, and default rates remain near historic lows. Well, I believe uh, you just outlined the opportunity set quite well. I'll see if I can just kind of basically repeat it. And simply that bank loans have an attractive yield pickup coupled with low historical default rates. So in this regard, are there specific types of issuance or financing structures that you particularly try to look for? We prefer to issuance that is used for merger and acquisition activities. Uh, sometimes there are better credit agreements and higher quality credits involved, and oftentimes there is no sponsor or private equity partner standing in the middle. Are, are the majority of bank loans in the double B sector? No. If we look at the, the $1.3 trillion market space and break it down by ratings, you'll see that triple Bs are 7%, double Bs are 23%, and single Bs are 61%. The final category is triple C and unrated loans, which include defaulted loans, and that represents about 9% of the market. So corporate M&A, we typically see more in the double B space. Got it. What is, Matt, if there is one, do you believe is the biggest misconception about the bank loan market? In my opinion, the biggest misconception is that they are inherently safe just because they are secured. If the same firm has no subordinated debt, then there's no cushion to draw from first in a restructuring. On top of that, loans are callable. So if you buy near par, then your upside is basically zero. Lastly, loan protections are not as good as they used to be. In other words, covenant light is more prevalent in the marketplace. That means that loans have fewer restrictions on the borrower and fewer protections for the lender. <laughs> you know, Matt, to me, that paints a cautionary, you know, maybe I'll even say gloomy picture 
So let me tease you a bit and ask, are you sure that you actually like the sector? Guy, yeah, I was outlining the nature of the market. I do like the sector, but it's important that your listeners and potential investors understand the risks and the opportunities that. This is an asset class where partnering with an experienced advisor and portfolio manager is important. There are numerous factors that are critical to understand, such as how the covenants work within a credit agreement, understanding the industry and the companies which are receiving the loan, what causes spreads to narrow and widen, understanding the factors that typically drive those movements and how and when to trade around those movements. You never want to sell at an uneconomic price, and there are times when you have to have some dry powder to be able to deploy at an opportune time. I believe understanding these nuances can only come from experience. So is it difficult to do your homework and find the loans that you want to grant? I, I ask because I suspect there is less information available, certainly less than you would get with a loan to a public company. We believe this can be an advantage to those with experience across business cycles and geographic regions. Doing deep bottoms-up research is very important. Our team has more than 20 years of experience across sectors, with some located in Europe and across several regional offices in the U.S. We have a research team of 35 people. It would be difficult to do the necessary due diligence on loans without them. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's an excellent place to stop. Thank you for your time today. And thank you for helping me and our listeners to better understand the asset class, its terminology, and the opportunity set. Appreciate it. Thank you, Guy. Thanks for hosting. It is not MetLife Investment Management's intention to provide, and you may not rely on this podcast as providing, a recommendation with respect to any particular investment strategy or investment. The information and opinions presented or contained in this podcast are provided as of the date it was published.